Off a high screen, Dorian kicked to the corner, Feirano for three. It's good with the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback, and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Page takes it in, scores. J.D. Page. Boy, Stevens lets it go, and there's your touchdown. Michael Gallup. Got it down low, Hornung, dunk! And here come the students. Leading by 10, here's Van Pelt. He's at the five, touchdown Colorado State. Hey, what's up? Hello. We are back. It's Friday, and we have another edition of the DNBR Rams podcast. We are going to talk about Saturday's game against San Jose State in a little bit. Obviously, a big, big game for the Rams after quite a deflating showing. You know, it was a pretty, pretty disappointing performance against UNLV in Las Vegas. So we are going to go over that game and preview it a little bit. But before we do that, I just wanted to have some fun and just kind of talk about this Colorado football situation because it seems to get wilder and wilder by the week. I just, I, it's, it's a state of chaos, man. So we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the timeline. We're going to talk about some of the candidates. We're just going to talk about all of it. So yeah, we're going to jump right into that. But before we do, I do need to take a second and recognize Bojo's Pizza. The DNVR Rams podcast, of course, is presented by Bojo's Pizza. Bojo's has been a Colorado institution for decades. Right now, all you have to do is tell them DNVR sent you and you can get a free honey cheesy bread with the purchase of any entree. That's right, free, free of charge, no monies, no monies out of the wallet. All you gotta do, head over to Bojo's, tell them DNVR sent you, get an entree, get that free appetizer. I gotta tell you, everybody on the DNVR staff has been raving about this honey cheese bread. Don't wanna miss out on it. Take advantage of this sweet deal while you still can. Let's jump right on into it. What in the hell is going on in Boulder? I thought the CSU coaching search was dramatic. Watching this thing in CU unfold is like watching a Shakespearean drama. I mean, it's literally had everything. It's made Buffs fans laugh. It's made them cry. It's made them reflect on their life, their entire existence, thinking about You know, is it even worth it to continue to root for this football program that has continually broken my heart time and time again for 15 straight years? I got in some trouble on Twitter. Not trouble. I just, I created a storm, I guess I should say, this morning with my tweet. And I just brought up the fact that I, I get a little annoyed how the CU fan base continually, you know, they don't appreciate Tad Boyle who's done a tremendous job. I have a lot of respect for Tad Boyle and the CU Hoops program, what they've been able to accomplish, but you know, they consistently over the last decade have not given him the, the, the level of support that they should. They, they call for his job consistently. It doesn't make any sense to me. And then now all of a sudden they're, you know, a top 20 hoops program and the football team is kind of a dumpster fire and they're like turning up their noses like, well, whatever, man, we're, we're a basketball school. Anyways, well, were you a basketball school over the last decade when Tad was doing his thing, or is it only when it's convenient for you? And and that's really my my main point. I just I feel like that's a common theme with that fan base. It's like the Rocky Mountain Showdown, you know. If CSU wins, whatever, it's not even a rivalry. But when they win, it, it's something to brag about for for ten months. I get a little tired of that hypocrisy. I get that 
you know, the retort is always they're going to come back at me and be like, little brother, yada, yada, yada. CU is so much more successful than CSU. You know, I get it. Historically, that is definitely the case. The Buffs have owned CSU in the head-to-head matchup. They've obviously accomplished a lot more on a national level. I'm not denying any of that. I'm really not. But you got to stay consistent with whatever shtick, you know, you're going to use to throw in CSU's face. You don't get to just, you know, use whatever is convenient for you every time. But, hey, that's how I feel. You know, I get that they're going to come after me. I get I went to CSU. My perspective is going to be a little bit different. Honestly, I feel like the Buffs fans that have followed me for a long time and, and the CSU fans that have followed me for a long time, they recognize that I look at this rivalry pretty logically. Like, there's no part of me that comes out and is like, you know, CSU is superior to CU. That's not the case. It hasn't been the case. If it ever is the case, I'll certainly shout it from the mountaintops, but I'm not that guy. I understand that the Buffs, even in what was arguably the worst decade of their program's existence, they still own CSU. That's all fine and well, but it does not mean that when things are getting rough, when it's kind of ugly in Boulder, when your program looks, you know, kind of like a laughingstock, which is really the situation these last couple of weeks. I'm not saying it to be a jerk. I'm not saying it to call out shots, but I mean, the way that this situation happened with Mel Tucker and how it seems like, you know, CU is is struggling to even find a replacement. I get it's a weird time and, and they're in an odd situation, but just stick with it, man. If you guys are a football school, be a football school, but you gotta be ride or die. You don't get to be a hoops program when it's convenient and then go back to being bandwagon for the next decade when, you know, the football team gets back to a bowl game or whatever. So that that's really my main beef. That's where my tweet came from. Um, it was not a shot at Doug Ottawill or the, the article that he wrote for Mile High Sports. I actually didn't even see his article until I'd already posted the tweet, and I honestly felt bad because I like Dougie. I like a lot of those people over at, at MHS, so... It wasn't a shot at him or anything like that. Honestly, I was just trying to rile up some of my CU friends. It worked, uh, but I, I probably should know better than that at this point because even like if it's mostly sarcasm, even if it's a joke, people just take it so, so far. I mean, I had some heated, heated people in my mentions. I get it. It's been a tough time for for these Buffs fans, and they've got a lot of stress that they need to get out. But yeah, just a, just another day on Twitter.com. All right, let me let me get back on track here. I just wanted to acknowledge that tweet because it obviously, you know, got a decent amount of engagement and I didn't want to get misconstrued, but it, it's easy to happen on the old Twitter. But if you've missed what's happening, it came out that Mel Tucker was going to interview for Michigan State. My guess is he wanted to do it quietly. That basically never happens in 2020. Obviously, it came out. On February 8th at 12.43, Tucker tweeted, while I am flattered to be considered for the head coaching job at MSU football, actually tag them. I am committed to CU Buffs football, tag them as well. For the hashtag, the build of our program, it's great athletes, coaches, and supporters. Hashtag unfinished business. Hashtag go Buffs. We are hashtag relentless. Hashtag culture. Hashtag the build. I have a lot of thoughts on this tweet. Obviously, it was hilarious because four days later, it came out that he did take the job after Fickle decided to stay at Cincinnati and, and Mel was able to, to get himself a nice little raise. Kudos to him. But first of all, way too many hashtags. I mean, if LeBron wouldn't have put out that hashtag about the baseball scandal the other day, this would have been like the perfect example for how not to use hashtags. First of all, 
If it's more than like three words, probably shouldn't put it in a hashtag. Second of all, you should never have like more than two hashtags in a single tweet. If you have like five, six hashtags, you just come off as like a soccer dad in 2011. Like, look at me supporting little Johnny. Hashtag stay fit. Hashtag go sports. Hashtag proud dad. Hashtag insta dad. Hashtag Nike son. You know, you get it. It just, it's, it's dorky. So way too many hashtags. Also, it was like kind of grammatically, it was kind of hard to read. It was a weird tweet. He formatted it weird. Part of that was the the decision to, to tag both schools. You don't necessarily have to tag. I just, it amazes me for people that like Twitter is a part of their job, whether, whether it should be or not is, is up for debate, but Twitter is definitely a part of the job when it comes to coaching in 2020. Learn, learn how to do it a little bit. I know these guys are football guys and they don't got time to waste, you know, their time learning how to tweet and all that. But if you're going to be on it, at least learn how to do it because otherwise little pricks like me are going to come on their podcast and, and make fun of you for your dorky tweets. And, and that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Now that we established some of the background, though, I just kind of wanted to go over some of the coaching candidates, the, the possibilities for who is going to take over in CU. I, I tweeted from the DNVR account yesterday asking CSU fans who they most wanted to take over. Troy Calhoun won that poll, posted a follow-up poll asking why, because I was curious, you know, do CSU fans want Calhoun to go to Boulder because they think his system would fail there and they think that it would be bad for the buffs? Or do they want Calhoun to go there more because it would destabilize Air Force? It seemed to be the latter. You know, people really wanted him to go to CU, especially with the, and not being an annual series with the buffs moving forward. It would make sense that they would root for Calhoun to to bolt and destabilize Air Force because, as we all know, Falcons have owned the Rams over the last decade, eight and two. Uh, really, Calhoun's been the best coach in Colorado for for the twelve years he's been at the Springs. He's done a tremendous job. I'm not sure if he would be a great fit in Boulder. I respect the hell out of him as a football coach. I just culturally, I'm not sure if it's it's just a big difference from Colorado Springs to Boulder. Calhoun can be kind of standoffish if you missed. He actually met with the with the press uh, yesterday, I believe. I got to pull up the article here. Posted by the Colorado Springs Gazette, Brett Brigerman does a phenomenal job covering the Falcons for them. Just listen to this master class on deflection that Troy Calhoun put on. So this question was from the Gazette. Can you confirm that you have interviewed at Colorado? Calhoun. I was at practice today, and we're going to get the Air Force Falcons a little bit better. That was our aim today. That's our sole goal. The Gazette followed up with, Was there truth to what you saw in the media? Calhoun. I haven't looked at the media. I haven't watched the media. Not regrettably, maybe regrettably. I haven't seen a thing. We've done nothing but meet. We've done nothing but practice. That's what we're going to do, and that's what we wanted to get done today, too. The Gazette. Did you not talk to your staff yesterday and tell them that had happened? Calhoun, that what? That you had interviewed. Calhoun, did I? Gazette, that's what I've heard, question mark. Calhoun, well, write that then. If that's what we did, if we told our staff that, then write that. If you think that's accurate and that's what you heard, write that. I wouldn't just say a source if that really is the truth. If we told our staff, there's freedom to write whatever we want to write. I'm all about football. That's what we're doing. We're all about Air Force football and what we did today. It, it goes on and on, but basically, basically, this interview session, this media session, if you will, it reaffirmed two things for him. One, 
my skepticism of Calhoun fitting in in Boulder, basically everything I've ever heard about Calhoun from people that cover the program, from people that are inside the program, is that Calhoun is very respected. Everybody recognizes that what he's done at Air Force is basically unprecedented, but he's kind of rubbed a lot of folks the wrong way. He's very just standoffish. He's one of those guys who he always believes he's the smartest guy in the room and he has to show everyone it. And, and that kind of approach, I'm just not sure it would, it would fly quite as well at CU. You can get away with it in the Springs a little bit just because, well, you don't have to face a ton of media coverage in the first place because Air Force, you know, probably the, the third most, most covered program in the state. But it also reaffirms that it's clear that Calhoun believes he's still in the running for the job. If he had flat out turned it down, if he knew he was, you know, getting that raise, if he was angling for a raise at Air Force or something, and that was his only intention, and, and he knew that he had that raise in the bag, why don't you just come out and be like, I'm, I'm not taking the job, I'm staying. He didn't say that. He didn't say he's leaving either. He really covered all his bases there. He basically went with the opposite approach of Mel Tucker, Strategically, I think that's probably smarter. You 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 just avoid the whole situation of, wait, I thought you were committed. You just said four days ago. I will say I thought it was a little bit uh, dramatic the way Calhoun handled it. I think he could have given them, I think he could have given them just a little bit more than that, but I get it. I get it. It's all a game. Calhoun, you know, he knows how to play the system and it's clear he still believes he's in the running. I'm not sure if he actually is in the running or not at this point. But to quote Mark Titus, he hasn't said no. And until he says no publicly, he's still in the mix. So personally, I'm kind of rooting for Calhoun to get it just because it would be chaotic. But just like not even at Boulder, for instance, but like that would mean that all four major football programs are going to have a new coach next year. It would put Air Force in a really weird position because they'd have to replace their coach now, which... God, that would be so difficult. I, I almost wonder if they would just go interim for a year and then postpone it, kind of what some people felt like CU should do this time around. But if you're Darren Shiverini, if you're Chev, you kind of got to feel like the ugly girl at the prom right now, right? And <laughs> I know that's probably not the most PC way to put things, but to, to go back to a term from the good old days, if you will, Chev's got to feel like a wallflower. I mean, he's just watching everybody left and right get invitations to dance. Chev got the kind heart. It's all dolled up for the, for the dance. All he wants is an opportunity. All he wants is that one chance to show, hey, I've got some moves. I can do this, baby. And he's just getting ignored left and right, getting picked over for the the more promiscuous candidates, if you will say so, the girls that maybe uh, put out, I guess, would be a way to put it if I'm going to keep on with this very mediocre metaphor. I feel bad for him. Honestly, like, at this point, like, Chev is so committed, it, it even seems like CSU fans are rooting for the guy because they just respect the fact that he's so damn committed to the buffs. And in a lot of ways, I think he reminds them of Tony Alford, the guy that the Rams, obviously, the Rams fans desperately wanted to get the job. I did see on Twitter, I believe it was Zach Barnett posted, uh, the buff should target Tony Alford. And that obviously would make the heads collectively explode of all of Ram nation. Personally, I think it would be kind of funny. I get why CSU fans would be upset because he was the guy they wanted. And, and to see a, a Ram go to Boulder would be tough to stomach, but from a chaos perspective, it would definitely be interesting content. I, I, I mean, I would be so intrigued by the showdown. And then finally, of course, you have Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. There have been conflicting reports about 
uh, Bienemy's interest in the position and whether or not he's actually been offered the job or not. I'm not going to comment on that because I don't have any sources within Boulder, so I, I don't know exactly what's going on. I do tend to believe my man RK, Ryan Cohensburg, he's as connected uh, on this coaching search as anybody has been. I mean, basically everything that's come out, he tweeted it hours before anyone else. So if, if you're looking for more info on this, definitely follow him. I think Biennemi is probably still in the running regardless of, of what has maybe come out. I just, I have a hard time believing he would just completely turn his nose up at the, at the thought of returning to his alma mater. He wasn't particularly successful the last time around when he was here with Embry. So I, I would understand why he would be hesitant. But the big thing with Biennemi, at least that I've heard from people that are more familiar with him, it's, it's not that he's not a great football mind. It's that he just, he's kind of a hard ass and, and more of that old school mentality coach. A lot of that stuff doesn't fly in 2020, especially in the college game. You just, you can't talk to, to players the same way that you could 20 years ago. So does Bolden want to risk a scandal like that? I don't know. Some of that could have been exaggerated too. I mean, I, I like I said, I, I don't want to condemn the guy because I've never been around him. But these are just some of the things that I've heard. Regardless of how it all plays out though, I feel like Buffs fans could really use a drink. The best way to do that Go to the Breck Beer Locator and find the closest Breckenridge beer selection nearest to you. This is taking all the inconvenience out of beer shopping. I've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now. Why would you ever leave it up to chance again? You can know exactly where to find your favorite beers, how much it is, how much it's going to cost, all that fun stuff. Check out the Breck Beer Locator for the best, most convenient way to buy your beer. All right, all right, all right. After... 18, 20 minutes, however long it's been. Let's talk a little CSU basketball. It is a CSU podcast after all. Rams have a big time game coming up against San Jose State this weekend. Really dropped the ball at UNLV. I talked about, you know, after the game, it, it didn't disappoint me that they lost. It disappointed me the way they lost and particularly just how lethargic everybody looked out on the court. It just it was not the effort of a team that is contending for the top half of the league, or it certainly didn't look like it. You know, I will admit that it, it's hard when, you, when you're covering a game from TV, you don't get a lot of the, the body language and some of the stuff that you can read in an arena. So maybe I'm being a little too harsh, but from, from what I was watching, that was definitely, definitely the impression that I got from watching that game. So frankly, it, it just, the effort all around both ends of the game. It just needs to be better. So let's flip things over to San Jose State. CSU 18 and 10, 9 and 6, hosting the Spartans who are 7 and 20 and 3 and 12 in the league. The Rams are 19 and 0 all time against San Jose State. Most recently beat them 81 to 70 on the road on January 11th. Uh, Saturday's game, there will be no TV. It is streamable on the Mountain West Network. I got to admit, guys, this is not a great look for the league. It's late February. Find a way to get these games on TV. I understand that San Jose State is not a desirable opponent. I get that basically the entire audience for this game is going to be, you know, in the greater Denver metro area, Fort Collins, and then, you know, random alumni around the country. But the fact that you have late, late conference games, games that have a lot of value, and they're not even on television, like, give me a break. That's, figure it out. Just figure it out. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to, like... Rail on him here, but that's pathetic. In the 116-year history of CSU Men's Hoop, the program is 1,280 and 1,282 all-time, so two games below 500. Uh, technically, the math comes out to 500 
uh, with such a small disparity. But there's three games remaining in the season. If the Rams go two and one, not only would it help their cause in the Mountain West standings, but it would help them technically go above 500 all time, which is it's kind of a cool little factor. Along with that, Nico Medved, 30 and 30 at CSU, so he could go two and one, make his record 32 and 31 going into next season. That wouldn't count the the Mountain West tournament, obviously. If you're not getting the picture, though, there's a lot of little streaks at stake over these next couple of games, a lot of little storylines to pay attention to, along with the obvious, which is that the Rams need to try and finish in the top half of the league. Scouting the Spartans, sophomore guard Seneca Knight, senior guard Bray Ivey, those are definitely San Jose State's biggest contributors. Knight leads the squad in rebounding and scoring and minutes played. Ivy leads the team in assists and steals and free throw percentage. You got to neutralize these two guys. I mean, I talked about going into the UNLV game. You had to look out for Bryce Hamilton. They let Hamilton go all over them. Really, that UNLV game was frustrating as a whole because there were two main factors that I laid out before the game. You had to rebound as a team because UNLV is a great group on the glass. And you had to limit Hamilton. And they didn't do either of those. So that was that was frustrating as an observer. As I said after that game, you know, it's it was deflating, it was disappointing, but it wasn't the end of the world. Your goals are still alive this year. Close strong, get some momentum before you go into the Mountain West tournament, and then anything can happen at that point. You know, your 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 odds of making the NCAA tournament are very, 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 very thin. You do have an opportunity to play in the postseason still obviously in Vegas, but even after that, I think an NIT berth is still very much at play. Personally, I hope they do play in the NIT because I think it would be just valuable to get this young group some some more minutes moving forward, and you give Nico Carvacho an opportunity to rack up more rebounds and work his way further into the history books. These are win-win situations. Ultimately, I'd be surprised if CSU turned down a postseason invite to anything, whether it was the CBI, the NIT, whatever, just because they haven't played in the postseason a couple of years, so they haven't really had to spend that money. Ultimately, everybody knows that these are tough decisions because these type of events really lose money in the long run. So from that perspective, it's it's tough to sell the the notion that you should host a postseason game if given the opportunity when it's only going to cost your school money. But looking in the grand scheme of things of, of just building a program and creating that continuity within the roster moving forward, getting postseason minutes is going to be so valuable for these young guys. We've already seen them basically drastically outplay expectations coming in but now the the ceiling is set you know we have a standard and ultimately they're just it's going to help them that much more if they get to play these minutes together it's really not that simple i'm not reinventing the wheel here with this logic but the more basketball you play the better you're going to be it's really as simple as that so a lot at stake over these last couple of games for csu men's hoops and then should be a great time in vegas we will be there through it all Thank you to everyone for listening. I will see you all at Moby Arena this Saturday for a showdown between the Rams and the Spartans. Khakis wearing graphic tees, feeling way too trendy. Raps that kill. Oh, I'm deadly. Primed and ready like machetes at a deli in New Delhi. Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli. Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. The water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys. Like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly.